Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, as always, Brandon, joining me, we have Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, welcome back to... Uh, Dan, what I'd say is a is a more unique one, maybe a bit of a curveball, but uh, really going to be excited to bring something new to our listeners. Right. Well, we are a Chelsea podcast, and while we have done a, I would say, Nick, a really strong job of covering the Chelsea men's team and even talking about some of the youth players, one area that is a, a blind spot for us where we have not put enough attention has been the Chelsea women's team. And I think we wanted to rectify that heading into this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had our first uh, experience at Kings Meadow watching the, the women's team last year. I think we all had a really great time. We loved the the style of football that they played and, and genuinely were, were impressed with the, with the setup having met Emma Hayes. Uh, in our first trip to to London, so uh, we've I think had our eye on them from a distance, um, clearly being Americans. But we uh, I think want to spend a little bit more time covering them this year uh, as they attempt to uh, to win the league again. Well, in order to help us and to best serve our audience, we thought we'd go bring in someone who's far more knowledgeable than us on the topic. So. Um, we brought in Jean Lolachan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you. It is exciting to have you on. Um, I don't know, we've been in touch over the years, but also I can tell you that we all follow you because you're kind of our go-to resource on a lot of the things <laughs> happening on the Chelsea women's team. And so you, I guess, like give kind of our audience a bit of a background. Um, it seems like you go to a lot of games, but you also follow the team quite a bit. So kind of, yeah, just, just, What's your how how do you normally follow the women's team? What's your usual routine? Well, obviously I, I used to be part of a YouTube channel covering I was covering the, the Chelsea women. Um so um, I used to go to, to most of the games at home and I did some away games as well, uh, last season especially. Um and yeah, I was doing, you know, vlogs and, and match uh, previews, reviews and and uh, I was I was able as well to attend to um, some of the trainings uh, at the at Comab. I mean, that's been the case for the last maybe three or four years for me. Well, that I mean, that's fantastic, especially over that long of a time. Um, Dan, obviously, is as they alluded to, it's kind of our we we we've really dipped in. Like I said, we got to go to Kingsmount last week or last season. Apologize, not last week. Um, uh, 
Uh, but what kind of an experience was that for you to kind of go and see another Chelsea team play? Well, this was also during the time that we drew Southampton nil-nil at home uh, during the a very interesting period in uh, Chelsea's football season last year. And so it was nice to go watch a win and a victory. Uh, I know Nick and I kind of centered in on getting a chance to, uh, you know, we were excited to see Fran. We had talked to Allie Riley beforehand, which was great to see her play, even though she's uh, left the team now. And uh, I know, Nick, you were very much impressed with uh, Millie Bright and the way that she uh, commanded the back line. Absolutely. Uh, I think that was the... The one player, uh, Gene, that uh, when I was watching the game, I kind of pinpointed very early on was Millie Bright. Uh, she she loves a good tackle, I think is a, a skilled passer of the ball and certainly has a lot of command uh, on the back line. She was a heck of a lot of fun to watch. All right. So for part one, what I think we should do is kind of do a season preview. So let's go ahead and look forward to what's happening. By the time this is out, it, the first match might have already played. So go back and see what's happened. But uh, in order to properly preview the season, Nick, we need to know who's even in the Women's Super League. Uh, it's a shorter table, so I feel comfortable letting you run through top to bottom in alphabetical order who might be uh, champions this season. Okay, so we have Arsenal, Birmingham City, Brighton and Hove Albion, Bristol City, Chelsea, Everton, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Reading, Tottenham, and West Ham, Brandon. These are the teams in the Women's Super League. So I think what's interesting here is if you look at last season's table, which yeah, as unfortunate as it is, Arsenal ended up winning the Women's Super League with 54 points ahead of Manchester City in second place, Chelsea in third is that this season we see the introduction of Tottenham, we see the introduction of Man United. And so and I guess, Gene, as you look at the challengers heading into this season with some additions of some new teams, uh, you know, how do you feel about the addition of, of United and Tottenham into the Women's Super League, and, and how do you think that'll impact um, how difficult the league might be for Chelsea this season? Well, I think it's, it's a good thing to to have more more uh, more teams and especially these ones because they're famous already so I think for the marketing of the league as well it's important um, and it's also good for the for the level of the game because um, I'm thinking of especially Manchester United because they brought in some very talented players um, who played in the World Cup um, so they've got they've got a good team to actually challenge and, and try to to be in the top three, maybe. Um, so I think that's good for that. However, I think to, to, for Tottenham is going to be a bit more difficult uh, because they brought in some new players who already were in the um, WSL or the Championship. Um, but yeah, it's good, I think, just to have um, these teams in for the atmosphere as well because it would probably attract more people actually to the stadium, you know, because um, of just of the name of the club. Well, I mean, we, it, we do feel like as Chelsea fans and supporters that we get like to watch... Chelsea beat Tottenham. Uh, so it will be quite nice, hopefully, to start off the season with uh, Chelsea beating the Tottenham uh, Hotspur women's team. Uh, that, would, that would be a wonderful way to kick it off, Brandon. Right. And uh, that one will be exciting because that is at Stamford Bridge. So first time the Chelsea women have played at Stamford Bridge. Does that, does that sound right to you, Jean? That That's the first time they've played at Stamford Bridge in a competitive match? Um, well, they played actually against Wolfsburg uh, in the Champions League, and that was two seasons ago. But since that, they haven't played um, at the bridge. And they haven't actually played um, a league match um, at the, in the stadium. So, yeah, it's good. And a bunch of teams are doing that, right? Like, this isn't just a Chelsea thing. This is kind of something that the... the the women's teams have done to draw a lot of maybe more interest, especially since it's an international break this weekend, right? Um, yeah, I agree. And also, the thing is, all the teams, I think it's, it's basically all the teams are starting their, their league uh, campaign playing the, in the main stadium of the club. I think City are doing the same. Um, and I think it's just the, the consequence of the, of the last summer's World Cup, really, um, with all the people getting involved and in, in following it online. I think... It's just a result of, uh, of that. And obviously, it's very positive. And then another kind of, as we're kind of teeing everything up, right? Another big win would be that they have a league sponsor for the first time. So again, there's a lot of commercial interest in the women's game as well. Yeah, it's good. Obviously, obviously uh, there's the deal with um, Barclays. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's the um, it's it's the historic it, it, history was made when it happened because we got the news. I think uh, towards the end of the season last year, um, it's obviously good for the for the TV rights as well and and all the marketing, the business of the league. Because now the next step is to make it viable, you know. Because most of the clubs, I mean, still some clubs, are, um, it's difficult for them to bring in some money and and pay the players. So not all the players are actually professional in terms of getting. Um, a minimum wage, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, Gene, one of the one of the things that we've noticed over the last, um, at least the last few years, if not longer, is that Chelsea seemed to be uh, on the leading edge of kind of incorporating um, their women's team into you know kind of the full club setup, and I think providing resources and support. Now, obviously, I think we we can all say there can be more done um, to empower. Uh, and, and bring up the women's game, but have you noticed that from a club perspective that you know there there is a a serious uh, approach to the to the women's game at Chelsea? Yeah, I think I think definitely Chelsea is probably I think with Man City for example, um, they're the teams that are actually putting effort into making um, the women's team a good team and and doing everything for them to to. Um, be in a comfortable environment, uh, which is good for the image of the club as well. Um, you know, having a women's team now, it seems like all the clubs are trying to to make one. Uh, United last season actually created their, their senior team. Um, so I think Chelsea are the, the best example for any other teams. And uh, they're doing a great job as well. And I think it's the, the club that's the most followed on social media because Chelsea reached uh, 1 million um, followers on Instagram last year. Um, so it's just a great example of showing that it's a success for the club. So, you know, just to be able to kind of tee off on you know, how the team is kind of uh, perceived, you know, for those maybe who haven't watched a match, you know, uh, you know we've had a chance to see, you know, the, the team play and it was really exciting. Uh, how would you describe maybe some of the, the managerial philosophy, Gene, of, of Emma Hayes and, and maybe her approach to football? Like, you know, obviously we kind of, uh, last season we got to see Sorry Ball. This year we're seeing you know, Lampard, Lampard kind of form his tactics uh, in front of our very eyes. But Emma's had uh, several years now in charge of the Chelsea women's team. And you know, what would you describe her her style of play or her general approach to uh, to football? Um, if if I focus on the on last season, for example, um, it's difficult because Chelsea had a, a very tough start. Um, but after they, they kind of um, went back to playing like they used to uh, before and yes yeah, she, she likes to obviously we've got very good wingers in the team uh, we've got very good attack attacking place sorry um, so she likes to obviously go forward um, and what I like at Chelsea is that unlike other teams that you see sometimes they just you know, throw the ball in the air and wherever the ball goes, then they just keep playing, you know. Chelsea, I think Emma Hay is one of the players to actually play on the ground and, and play quick. Um, uh, it's actually quite difficult for me to explain it in English. but um, Are they generally more attacking, um, kind of trying to take yeah, the definitely. game to their opponents? Yeah, that's what I thought when I saw them last. They definitely yeah, don't yeah. wait, you know, sit back and counter. Emma likes to control the game and go at them. That's a good thing because obviously it's more entertaining for the fans and yeah, for us watching and and that's how we win games also. You know, scoring goals and and um, we've scored a lot of goals to be honest um, in the last season. So yeah, she likes to attack and and she's lucky as well because we got good defense. Like 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 the guy said about Millie Bright, for example, she's she's a leader in the team and she's so good defensively um, that you can like she probably knows that. If if the players attack a lot, she knows that they're safe anyway because of the back line. Does that make sense? Yep. No, absolutely. All right. Well, real quick, though, Chelsea fans, we're going to jump into a quick ad break. But don't worry. When we're back, we're going to be right back into the content. So kind of painting the picture as well, that not only is there the Women's Super League, there is the Champions League as well. So the UEFA Women's Champions League, which Chelsea, um, if you've missed, uh, has been competing at a very high level in this tournament. And I, you know, it's to the point where, um, you know, I think that in my opinion, Gene, is that Emma has almost been building her squad, not necessarily for the domestic league, but definitely to be successful in the Champions League. I mean, they've gotten so close in the last two years, but just have just come up short, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, 
Yeah, I remember uh, it was two seasons ago. They made history already by reaching the quarterfinals, and obviously last season they reached the, the semi against Lyon. And sadly, Chelsea lost. But um, it wasn't. Um, they, they they came close, if you if you know what I mean, because Lyon obviously the the, um, the reigning champions of that competition, and um, the, I think it's for the first time they actually struggled against the team in the Champions League, and that was against Chelsea. Um, that was the second leg at home. And I think we all really believed that Chelsea could make it and reach the final. Um, but yeah, Emma Hayes definitely, she, she knows she's got a squad to, to, to do something good in that competition and obviously to win it. That's the next um, step. Unfortunately, this season, Chelsea aren't in the, in the Champions League. So that's, that's the only sad note, I guess. Well, I just think that means that with the domestic trophies, so we did unfortunately lose to Man City, Uh, 1-0 in the Women's FA Cup and then the WSL Cup. uh, We were able to make it to the semifinals there, lost to Man City again. uh, That hopefully then uh, this season we can be more competitive in those uh, domestic trophies, Gene, because I think that's where, uh, you know, if you're you're not in Europe, you might as well focus on winning some silverware with the FA Cup and the, the WSL Cup. Is there one that you feel like Chelsea are better equipped to uh, compete for and win this season? Um, first, yeah, I completely agree with you saying that it might help them to focus more on these this, this Cups. Um, I think the FA Cup is definitely something they can they can win. They've done it um, not last season, but the one before when they won the double with the, obviously the Cup and, and the league. Um, the FA Cup is probably the most prestigious one. You know, the final is played at Wembley as well. Um, so it's a great day out. Um, the other cup is, I think, it's called the Continental Cup. Um, they've always seemed to to struggle to actually reach the the final or even the the semis. So I guess yeah, the FA Cup I would say is the one that we could definitely win this season and hopefully even the other one. You know, let's let's talk quickly about the the league because we know there are some new entrants, you know, into the league as we previously mentioned. But you know, you would assume that Arsenal and, and Manchester City are still going to be tough competition do you think that Chelsea is uh, well equipped to kind of mount uh, a charge in another league title Gene uh, well if I'm really honest um, I think unfortunately I do think that Arsenal will probably win it again because um, they despite the obviously the rivalry they have a fantastic team and a great philosophy of football as well uh, the manager is, is very good and he's been doing well. Um, so I think they will be the the, the uh, how do you say the main opponent to um, to challenge this season because um, I think Chelsea will finish second. That's my prediction, uh, but we'll be close, like maybe losing by two points, you know, um, against Arsenal. So I w- I prefer to say Chelsea will win it. Um, but I do think Arsenal will will do everything to keep the title at home, and and they will take it home again. I mean that. I mean that's fair, right? It's it's obviously good to hear, you know, kind of the realistic situation for Chelsea women going into the season. Um, but I think you're not the only one that that feels like there's some catching up to do. It looks like Emma was busy this summer, <laughs> uh, kind of, you know, changing her squad a little bit. So it looks like. Ji Soyun got a an extension, which G is fantastic. And then it looks like a few players left um, this season. So Hedvig Lindahl, uh, goalkeeper, her contract ended. Karen Carney retired. Jade Bailey went to Liverpool. Lizzie Durak retired. And Ali Riley, who we who we know a little bit, uh, left for Bayern Munich. And then Guru Ritten came in. So uh, what does that kind of talk, or what does that mean to Eugene? The fact that there are, you know, five players that left and only one player that came in. Um, yeah, I think I think she wanted something. She wanted a change. Um, she kind of got rid of the players that obviously for the retire. I mean, Cus Carney retired, so he wasn't really in a in a power to do anything against it. Um, but you know, Edwin Lindell has been at the club, was at the club for about more than five years, I think. Um, and a player like Jade Bailey, for example, she didn't play for Chelsea. She was on loan actually last season to Reading. Um, so I think she just wanted to change. And, and also the thing is, at Chelsea, we've got loads of players. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but 
we have loads of players who aren't playing at all who sit on the bench. Um, so I guess she wants to have a, a team who are really able to play um, week in, week out, you know? No, that makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, I think um, with with this, I think the, the probably the biggest shock was, uh, you know, uh, Karen Carney or Kaz, you know, retiring. Um, how, how big of an impact uh, just with her, her presence, you know, club, club captain being gone this season, how, how much do you think Chelsea will miss her on on the pitch and, and even in maybe the, uh, the the dressing room this season. Yeah, I didn't I didn't expect um, her to retire when I when I got the news. I I couldn't believe it because obviously it was just during the World Cup um, that she announced it, and I was really surprised because she she's she was one of our best players. Um, she was basically in the starting eleven each game, and obviously she she was a club leader and she played for the blue for yeah for the Blues for about three years or more um, and obviously the captain and everyone the thing is with her everyone respects her she's um, she, yeah she's really respected in, in the in the football uh, world and by all the players and on the pitch she's just she's just one of the best personally I love to watch her play she's really she's good she's got a good technique she's got pace um, she, she just has a good vision of of how to play you know she always have, has the good pass as well and and help the team to go forward. So it's going to be a loss. Um, but I think we've got we still have good players. But obviously, I think with Carney, something's going to be different. Um, and I'm looking forward to actually see how how Emma Hayes play without her. Sure. Um, so on that point, Jean, I think there's a new club captain. Uh, Magda Eriksson is has been named uh, club captain with Millie Bright being the vice captain for the upcoming season. Um, obviously Erickson played quite a bit last year and, you know, the, the bio would read that she can play anywhere in the back line, that she's calm, she's composed. Uh, and Emma Hayes has been speaking, uh, really brilliantly of her, her leadership abilities and, and growth as a leader in the team. So can you talk to us a little bit about her and, and taking over the captaincy from, from Cass Carney? Yeah, well, I, I think it makes sense. Um, I didn't know before it was announced that she was made club captain. I didn't know whether it was going to be Millie Bright or her. Because um, I think it was a good competition between the two to have the the armband. But yeah, she, she's, a, she's a good leader in the back line. You can, if you go to the games, you can see that she's always talking very loud and, and telling um Offering support first to to, uh, to the other players, but also um, whenever she's got something to say, she just says it, and everyone seems to be listening as well. Um, the thing is, she's she's obviously a top player. Um, unfortunately, she was uh, she was a bit unlucky last season because she did score some own goals that costed us important points, or even uh, I think it, she scored an own goal against it was in the Champions League against Lyon. I think it was dramatic. Okay? I can't actually remember, but I think it was quite bad. Um, so, yeah, she, she's going to be a good captain. But if I'm really honest, I did expect Millie Bright to be named uh, captain. So I don't really know what to say on this topic much. And that's okay. I think we're going we're gonna to find out a lot about this season and, and kind of some of those people. Um, but I guess we can go ahead and talk about Guru too, uh, the new signing. So this is from the Chelsea subreddit, um, and, and this is their description uh, of her. So it says the 24 year old was signed from Norway's LSK, uh, their league. I apologize. I don't speak Norwegian, so I'm not going to butcher that. Uh, and they said, like many of Emma Hayes signings come from Norway. She's a versatile player who can uh, play as a central striker, a wide forward or a number 10. Reeton has a phenomenal goal scoring record in Norway, having finished as top score for each of the past three seasons in the Norwegian league. She joins a Chelsea side already brimming with attacking talent and not, and just how involved in a first team action Reeton will be remains to be seen. An impressive display at the world cup for Norway will further her case. Uh, so Jean, I guess with, with that being said, I mean, Bethany England had a good season scoring goals. Uh, unfortunately, Kirby is continuing to struggle with some injuries. Uh, yeah. I guess, how do you think uh, Reeton will will kind of, I guess, fit into this squad? Yeah, well, once again, it's just, um, as I said, the thing with Chelsea, they have a lot of plays for for the same position, same kind of positions. Because uh, as you say, Bethany England, uh, obviously Fran, unfortunately, she's, 
she's got still yeah problems with injuries. She can't actually even play the first game of the season, um, sadly. Um, but we also have a player like Ramona Backman. Um, I don't know if you know a lot about her. So I don't I don't know where where Rayton. Um, uh, she, she's going to be on the on the pitch, uh, but I think she's definitely a good asset for the team. Uh, with all the injuries we seem to to have um, since last season, because that was the main issue. Um, and I can't wait to see her play because I only was able to be honest to, to see her play in the World Cup a few times. Um, I didn't I didn't really know much about her before before the World Cup and before she joined Chelsea. Um, so I'm excited to see this. Yeah, I'm hoping that Ramona gets back. I mean, she came from Wolfsburg. And and so that was a big signing a couple of years ago when she came. Um, so I'm excited to see her kind of get back and settled in. But uh, Dan, I mean, there's there's a couple more players than just those two on on the first team squad. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's plenty of players to be excited about. You know, I, I think as I look at this list and I think about the fact that you know Frank Kirby's out and we're getting uh, you know Reten brought into the team. Uh, the the two that I probably am most excited about, at least from an attacking perspective. Uh, Gene have to be, you know, Beth England, who has a phenomenal goal scoring record, and then uh, Aaron Cuthbert, and what she's been able to do, kind of transitioning into the side. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you see uh, their seasons evolving? Like Beth, obviously, has been a really strong goal scorer. Probably should do that again. Uh, and Aaron has really been kind of make starting to make a mark on the side, and you know, had a really good run uh, in the Women's World Cup. Unfortunately, gets knocked out in the first round. But I think definitely people were. We're looking at her as someone who has a very, very bright future, footballing future ahead of her. Yeah, well, if I'm honest, Erin is, is my favorite player. Um, she's been my favorite player for about two seasons, two seasons now. I mean, the one you should, you know, um, look at and, and keep an eye on because she's been improving just season after season. And, you know, she joined from um, Glasgow um, and she, she was a kind of unknown player, you know, coming in the first division in England. And, and she just, did everything for everyone to just see her all the time. She's a very good technique player. Uh, I remember there was, there was um, a video that um, came out online and, and a lot of people watched it. It was um, her dribbling a Brighton player uh, last season. And I was at the game, it was in, in Brighton, and she just showed her talent just with that, um, that technique. And obviously she scores a lot of goals and she never give, give you know she never gives up on the pitch. It seems like... Even if we're losing, she still goes on and, and try to fight for the bow and, and go forward. And that, that's the mentality you want to see in a, in a young player like her because she's only 21 uh, or 22. Um, and for me, she, she's the, um, the probably the best player for Chelsea. And, and she will be for, for many years. I hope she's going to stay with us. Um, and for Beth, I think um, it's, it's, um, it's just her hard work that's paying off because, you know, she was alone um, at Liverpool, uh, not last season, but the one before. And then she came back to Chelsea and it was going to be difficult for her to have the, the first, uh, to be the first choice um, on the pitch with all the other attacking players. And she actually made it and scored so many goals. And, and now she's actually been called up to the England squad for the first time a few weeks ago. So I think these two players are the future of the club. And hopefully they will have a good season because for me, they're, they're the two ones that will uh, probably push us the most to, to winning a title. So, Jane, we, we know a lot about the, the attack. Um, I would like to drop back into the midfield a little bit and, and talk about, I think, one of the most electric players uh, in the league to watch, uh, which is Jisoo Young. Um, she seemed to be kind of the metronome of the team, the the you know, kind of passing leader, the, you know, creative number 10 last year. Do you see another, you know, kind of big season ahead of her? Yeah, definitely. She's, um, she's been a top player for a long time. She's, re- she's a regular, um, like she, she always turns up and um, she can, she can score free kicks. Like it's just, it's just crazy. And she's got the ability to, yeah, pass the ball very quickly, see the, see how to play very quickly. And, and um, she, she, she's also very good at defending as well. So I think she's just a complete player that we definitely need to keep, and I'm, I'm sure she's going to be the best as she is now uh, for the season coming coming up. Are there any other midfielders that you would you know kind of target specifically as having a big role on the team this year that will help us push forward? Um, there's one player that we don't. It seems like we don't really particularly talk about her. Um, is Sophie Ingle? She's a she's defensive. 
midfielder. Um, and she's um, she's very strong and she really helps the team to inter- inter- sorry intercept the ball and move forward because obviously attacking is the is the how do you say is the main um, Chelsea's philosophy. Uh, yeah, Sofingo is, is one to watch. Uh, she's quite old, but she, she's um, she's one of the um, leader in the team as well. Yeah, that's right. She was voted as the players' player of the year last season. So I think. You know, as you talk about unsung hero, right? Or maybe someone who does the dirty yeah. work to free everyone else to go do the exciting stuff. That seemed like that was absolutely, um, you know, her role and her teammates appreciated that and, and got her that award uh, probably as a thank you for doing the job no one else wanted to do. <laughs> well, what I will say is uh, Sophie Ingalls' goal was also uh, one of the uh, contenders for goal of the month from uh, Chelsea themselves. And, uh, I think most fans would agree that hers was uh, probably the best one we saw in uh, in August across all of the uh, Chelsea clubs. So, uh, yeah, uh, definitely uh, nice to see her, uh, you know, score kind of some of the preseason uh, matches we've been putting together too. So, I think we should continue our journey through the team with the defenders. Um, you're gonna have to help me out, Gene. I felt like sometimes we played a three at the back and sometimes we played a four at the back. Is that right, or did I just happen to catch us one time where we yeah, were playing yeah. a bit different? Well, yeah, and that's also saying a lot about Emma Hayes is that she really changes the the starting eleven really often, even about the the formation. So that that can be confusing. Yeah. So you've got Magda Eriksson, who's the captain. You have Millie Bright, who's the vice captain. Is, does it seem like, Jean, those will be the two that are, are always going to be in that back line week in, week out? Yeah, I'd like to say so. But we also have um, a player like Maria Therizatir. We also have uh, Mielder. They're both actually Norwegian. Um, so I think we've got a good, um, do you say, depth in the squad. Yeah, so I guess I guess these two will be the, the main ones. But the thing is, Mielder, um, for example, she can play different positions, to be honest, this one. But last season she was injured for most of the season, and she actually came back towards the end, probably in like was it April time um, or March time, something like that. And then she did start a few games. Um, so I don't, I don't know who's gonna, how she's gonna make it work with all the play, all the good plays that we actually have um, at the back. And then you, I mean, you have like very attacking fullback. So I've. I've always liked watching Hannah Blundell. So I know even when we were there, she, she scored as well. So she even gets in the attack uh, and adds a lot as well. So I guess, do you think that maybe Emma will start with a four back or maybe a three back with some attacking full backs in there? What do you, what at least do you think well, she might go with? I think it should be better to start with a four at the back. Uh, Cause as you said, Anna Blundell is a, is a player who can, who can attack as well. And on the other side, you've got um, Jonah Anderson as well, who likes to do it. So I think it would be more interesting for Chelsea to play like that, um, to win some the, as much games as it can. All right, well, give us your prediction for who starts on the, you know, who's our, who's our starting four, if that's your preferred uh, preferred back uh, line setup, Jean. Uh, that's difficult. I haven't really had a chance to think about that one. <laughs> I'm, put, I'm putting you on the spot. That's what we do. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, I do. I would obviously like to see uh, my dad and, and, and Millie Bright um, as the fullbacks. Um, I want to, I'd like to see Hannah Blondel as well. Uh, also, because she's young and she's very talented and she can be the next, um, I think, number one for that position, obviously at Chelsea, but also for England. Um, so he's definitely four at the back and on the other side I would say probably Anderson well that that is a uh, stout back four who would have no time uh, I think bossing a, a lot of teams in the league around and, and being uh, very very difficult to get through I mean think about the fact that I mean in the league last season you know Chelsea actually conceded the the second fewest goals of 14 total uh, our only Arsenal was better with 13 goals allowed so yeah I, I I definitely don't think defense is the uh the issue in any capacity for us uh, you know I know the the one thing that that did change in kind of just rounding out our examination of the squad is obviously uh you know with uh Hedwig kind of leaving the team um heading uh, over to Wolfsburg is that you know we do have uh 
and uh, Catherine Berger, and then Carly Telfoid as our, our keepers. Uh, you know, An is probably the one who's going to uh, start between the sticks, and that's what kind of forced uh, Hedvig out. Um, how, how do you feel about the introduction introduction of uh, Berger as kind of the, the number one keeper for Chelsea and Chelsea women this season, uh, Jean? Well, first... I want to say that I I I would have preferred Edvig to stay one more season um, because, in my opinion, and I think for many people uh, following women's football, Edvig is definitely one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Even now, even if she's like thirty six, um, she's proved it as well with Sweden in the um, last World Cup. Um, so I was surprised when when um, Berger joined Chelsea. I think it was in January last year. Uh, because we already had Edvig and then we had Carly Telford and obviously we had Lizzie Dirac who retired now. Um, so he, he made it, we had like four goalkeepers and three of them could actually play um, every league game. So that was really confusing. So it, it definitely meant that obviously Edvig was being pushed to the door, uh, which is sad because she's been, um, I think she was the, the longest serving player in the squad uh, before just before she left. Um, but despite that, I do think that Berger is a, is a top goalkeeper um, for the league. Uh, obviously, we don't have Champions League now, but uh, I don't know if she's got the level um, for that competition. But I think she will do a good job this season. Uh, but I'm still not really over the fact that Edvig left and joined the, another team. It's very weird to not see her in the Chelsea kit because um, she's just a legend and she was really appreciated by everyone at the club. Very professional. And I've had the chance to meet her a few times and talk to her and she's really she really loves the game. And I'm sure Berger does as well, you know. It's not what I mean, but yeah, I think Edvig, Edvig should have, should have um, stayed one more season. Well, especially after how well she performed in the in the World Cup. I think it, there was... Uh, Maybe some remorse on the side of Chelsea watching her play and perform there, and then uh, have to think about not having her as as a depth or additional option, uh, especially with uh, Lizzie also retiring too. Definitely feels like we we went from it being a position of strength, Gene, to maybe being a position where we're not as secure with goalkeepers heading into the season as we were last year. Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree. Um, but you know what's weird is that so Edvig's He's not a Chelsea player anymore, but we still have a player like Carly Telford who actually played a few games for England in the World Cup. So it means she's supposed to be a first-choice goalkeeper in a club, if you know what I mean, because of of the national team she's playing for. And then you've got Berger, who actually never... I think she played... She wasn't wasn't in the World Cup for Germany, um, if I remember well. And and she's going to be the first choice. Um, So people probably wonder how... How Emma is gonna is gonna choose is probably most most likely going to be like Berger, the um, the chosen one for the league and Telford for the cups, um, which is a good good options to be honest. But it's very weird to have two top goalkeepers um, in your in one team, especially in the women's in the women's in women's football, you know, because we don't have that many good goalkeepers around. All right. So we got goalkeeper. Sounds like Berger is going to be our starting. We've got our back line from you. Can we can we just round out the team, Gene? We feel like we're halfway there. Um, who else do you think will be in that starting lineup? And I guess you should probably let us know what formation do you think Emma will be playing? Obviously a four in the back, but uh, how many mids and how many attackers? Uh, well, the thing is, again, it depends how she's going she's gonna to work with the fact that she lost Connie, who was a starting 11 player all the time. Um, and obviously, Raisin coming in, uh, Kirby being out. Is Ramana Bachman going to play, uh, going to start the games again? I'm not sure. Um, I know Cuthbert is definitely going to be starting. Uh, obviously, Ingo as well. Um, she's been a, a rock for the, for the team for the last season. Obviously, G as well. And then you've got Drew Spence, who's a midfielder. I mean, a forward can be. She sometimes play, plays in uh, midfield, so... I don't know who's going to... It's probably going to be obviously four at the back. I'd say... Because sometimes she puts she puts like obviously four, then Ingo, then she puts um, three. So one in the middle, two wingers, and then two attacking players. All right. So we've got Ingle. Who are the ones in front of her? Who do you think uh, that'll be? Obviously, G is going to be a, a same old position in the middle, um, controlling them. 
let the team play. Cuthbert on the side. Um, oh God, that's, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> there's been too many changes. Um, <laughs> Bethany England, for me, will definitely be up front. I don't think it's uh, it's, it's even a question. Um, where rate, rating is going to play, I'm not sure. And uh, then you've got Backman that I really want to see play again. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, I don't really know. I'm not sure of what formation she should play at the moment because I want to, to see Rayton play first and, and see where she's best at. Look, don't worry. Our predictions for Frank Lampard's first lineup of the season were wildly inaccurate too. So, <laughs> like, that, it's kind of a good situation to be in, right? You're, you're, you're struggling over who Emma should put in because she has options. And it sounds like it's yeah. just the strength in the squad is there and it's going to be great that Emma has kind of these decisions to make week in, week out. Uh, and that we also kind of need to see what has Emma been cooking up this summer? Does she have a new tactical profile? Does she have a new formation? Like mm-hmm. what are we going to see out of her? Um, which I think is exciting. And it, and that's what's going to lead us into the fact that, you know, this upcoming 2019, 2020 season, right. We've got this, um, you know, opportunity to make a statement. I think it's kind of funny because, you know, we played Tottenham in the first match of the season is, you know, Nick said, we, we've actually got to sit down and talk with Emma in a very casual environment. And she's a Spurs fan, but obviously she's going to take <laughs> the job first, Nick. But I mean, what an opportunity to play at Stanford Bridge, uh, Tottenham new to league. I mean, what a welcoming we could give them with a good four nothing, don't you think? <laughs> It's the only, it's the only welcoming that I'd, I'd like to give them to the league. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. I mean, clearly, the club and and the league have, uh, I think, up their game in terms of of taking the opening weekend seriously. You would hope that you you'd see more um, kind of involvement um, with the first team uh, at Chelsea on the men's side, and, and hopefully just broaden the profile of the game. Uh, and, and so this first one at home is a big deal. I you know, believe, Gene, that it's a it's a sellout and it should just be a, a, a rocket atmosphere, right? Yeah, it should be. And, and actually about that, I've had few people, I mean, some people tweeting me or even messaging me saying it was going to be the first women's game ever going to, to the bridge because they obviously followed the, the, men, the Chelsea men's team. And, and they were very attracted to, to all the... Um, um, how do you say to all the marketing um you know towards the um, selling tickets for that game the thing is i think i don't know how many but many of the tickets were for free as well um so the stadium should be should be full and and hopefully the atmosphere will be good as well um and i'm sad that i'm not going but <laughs> well we we are sad for you as well we would love to be there too so we will we will commiserate uh in the sadness of not being there uh, you know, as we kind of maybe take a step back and uh, you know round out some of our conversation, you know, we've talked about Arsenal, we've talked about City as challenges. Obviously, we've mentioned that Tottenham might struggle. You know, we, we tend to think, you know, of the men's game that those are some of the you know City, Arsenal, Spurs, Liverpool, um, you know, the the kind of typical opposition sides that you think about uh, as kind of like the big six. Are there any other teams that? individuals who don't follow the women's game who don't watch the the WSL or have not have not watched until this point should think about as being a, a bigger team or a team that's more competitive than the the name would suggest you know I, I think about like people don't think about Brighton as being a difficult team in the uh, Premier League but you know are they maybe you know an example of a team that is more difficult than their their men's team counterpart if I'm honest I think Brighton um the club will get relegated <laughs> uh, this season. Crazy. Um, because, yeah, I've seen them play. They, they don't really have the resources as well for it. But if you think of a club like Reading, for example, they're actually in the Championship. They're not even in the Premier League. Um, and they've been actually struggling for a few years now, the men's team. But the women's team has been one of the leading um, a team of the, yeah, of the women's football in England. And they always uh, managed to, to start. I think it's, what did they finish last season? Was it um, fifth or fourth? Yeah, they were fifth, yep. 
fifth, yeah. Um, they're playing the Cups. They've actually got quite far and, and they're, they're a good team to watch as well. They've got good players as well. Uh, another team, well, West Ham, um, you know, they they got promoted to the first division last season in a very weird way because they were actually playing in the, in the third division before. Um, but they applied for the new FA license, you know, to be able to play and give a, a full professional environment. So it obviously involves having financial um, resources that they had. So West Ham are a good team to to look at, but they're kind of the same in the Premier League. Um, uh, what other teams? Um, well, if you think about Liverpool being a good team, it's not really the case. Um, uh, they're good for the men's, men's team, but um, in the Women's Super League, they finished like eight last season, I think. Um, and they used to be actually the best team in England. Uh, they won the league um, a number of times, but they, 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 they've been struggling recently. And I don't think they will do better this season, um, same as Everton, for example. And Tottenham, obviously, is their first season um, in the top flight. And as I said before, they brought in some players who were actually already playing in, the, in England. Uh, they actually got a few Chelsea players. Uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Gemma Davison, uh, Rebecca Spencer used to be our old goalkeeper as well. Um, so yeah, for example, Tottenham and Liverpool is not a team you would be very scared of. If I not in an arrogant way, obviously I'm not saying that like that, but it's not as they're not a big opponent like they are in the Premier League. If that makes sense. Absolutely, no, that makes complete sense. I mean, when we watched Chelsea play Everton at home last season, I mean they mopped up Everton. It was, I mean, you could tell like Everton were trying to work hard in the league, and Chelsea were competing in the Champions League. There was just, you know, a different class. And uh, it's just great to see all this hard work, um, you know, put in at Chelsea uh, to, to boost and promote the women's team is, is fantastic. So outside of that, um, who are the teams that we should be most afraid of on the schedule? Clearly, you've already told us um, that uh, Arsenal are the top team. Manchester City, to me, seemed to be pretty good. Is there anyone else that we need to kind of take extra note or maybe circle them on the calendar for these for the new fans coming to the women's game that they have to watch? Um, my my United, um, uh, even though they they've just gone to the first division for the first time in the history, um, they've got top players. They did a very good um, summer window. Fair play to them. I think, as I said, Reading, uh, Birmingham are not a bad team. As well, even though they lost a lot of players to that went to Manchester City, actually, uh, like Ellen White, you know, she was one of the star players of the World Cup. Um, uh, but yeah, Birmingham, Reading, uh, West Ham, I think they will still struggle, struggle, sorry, to adapt to the to the league like they they did last season. Um, uh, and yeah, other than Arsenal, City. I think that's the, the main teams that we need to be afraid of. All right. So you, you gave us a little bit of a prediction earlier that Chelsea would finish uh, second in the league. So as we look at it, uh, that means we will definitely not win that trophy. But then there would be two domestic trophies left. Um, we talked also about how we, we don't really do well with the Continental Tires trophy. Um, so do we win one domestic trophy? Do we win two domestic trophies? Where did Chelsea end the season? Uh, it sounds like we'll have maybe some silverware. We'll return to that, but maybe not uh, a ton to add to the cabinet, Gene. Well, I hope we win both. <laughs> um, uh, but if we win the FA Cup, at least the FA Cup, I think, is, is amazing. Uh, obviously, winning the other one is good as well, but the FA Cup is is one thing Chelsea can definitely win. I don't know. I feel like Chelsea and the FA Cup is... Uh, it's not a love story, but it's, it's something that's really possible. Well, we, we like to hear that. Um, to do, you know, to, to win a an FA Cup, we need a a top goal scorer to kind of help carry the the weight. So who do you think will be uh, Chelsea's leading goal scorer in the 2019-2020 season? Uh, Bethany England, again. Um, she's... She's the the star player of this um, attack, and she she was last season, and she's she's going to be this season again. I think she's at the top of the game at the, at the moment, so I hope she carries on. Oh yeah, so much momentum for her, especially getting that first England call up. I think she is going to be ready to go this season. So I love that, love that shout. 
Uh, and then to wrap it up, who do you think will be our best player at the end of the season? Who's going to get that award? Yeah, that's tough. Um, I think it's going to be between G, um, England, or Cuthbert. I think it will be between them three. I hope to think he's going to, he's going to be Cuthbert, <laughs> uh, simply because um, she just gives a lot on the pitch, like every every week, and she just turns up so like she's so good I don't think I've ever seen a, a game where she actually ends up form um, and I'm being completely honest not just the fact that she's my favorite player on the on obviously a football um, um, football vision whatever I think Cuthbert have more chances to win it but it will definitely be a, a good competition between the three I mentioned really really looking forward to that um, I guess, Dan, any, anything else we might have missed that maybe we need to touch on or anything that, you know, you're looking to make sure we get plugged in? Ooh, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited for the season. Obviously, last year was a little bit of a disappointment with uh, no silverware. Emma's just built such a pedigree of being a, a bit of a serial winner. And you know, especially in ports of last season, it was nice to, in seasons prior, where maybe we didn't have as much success in the men's team, um, the women's team has been a perennial favorites, uh, has been competing for every trophy, and that's been really exciting. So I'm just looking forward to um, you know, the fact that they are going to stream uh, all of the, the matches this season online, um, which is a pretty pretty big change, I think, Gene, in terms of just making sure the game is able to be connected with, uh, with more and more supporters around the world, which is just a, another, I think, investment that's going to help catapult the um, the adoption and the the viewership um, to an even higher level this coming season. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely um, a very good thing, and and obviously Chelsea are, are doing such a good job at promoting their women's team um, everywhere on every platform. So I think this season is going to be um, a step forward once again um for the for the women's and and hopefully it will be a successful season as well okay well gene we really appreciate having you on um for for our listeners where can they find your coverage of the chelsea women's team this season well they can they can find i've got a youtube channel called um football Ha, where i upload um videos on women's football in general but obviously it was a uh, was a little bit a little bit more on the on the chelsea women's team and um, and yet, then I'll be just um, normally tweeting on my on my personal Twitter and and social media pages. Well, and we will uh, definitely make sure to point people in your direction for uh, wonderful coverage. And uh, I imagine at some point later in the season, uh, as we continue to watch and you continue to watch, and and hopefully as we watch Emma and the team. Uh, find new levels of success we'll get you back on to talk uh, some more about how well the Chelsea women's team are doing and uh, maybe how poorly Arsenal are doing fingers crossed yeah. all right well again a huge thank you to Jean for for jumping on and joining us for all of you Chelsea fans out there watch the matches like take an interest it'll be an exciting time uh, especially like I said they play attacking dominant football that is the way Emma Hayes has built this team it's fantastic. Uh, but that's going to wrap us up. So again, a huge thank you to Jean. Follow her. Links in the description below. Uh, take a look. Uh, see what she's got to offer. Uh, but that's a wrap, Chelsea fans. We're going to do more of these. That's a, that's a big one this season for us. Um, but yeah, it's an international break. Glad we could fill it with awesome content about the Chelsea women's team. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.